can't wait till I'm free of this body. And I'm not tired. My back's not hurting. And I'm just full of life, just worshiping him forever and ever and ever. You know, we get little tastes of that. I've had little tastes of that at different times. Uh, I remember at Brownsville, there were times where you, there was just so much life, you just felt like you were going to go through the ceiling. Um, but other times where I was just in my private time and got a sight of God and just touched his throne somehow and his presence, and there's a life that you can't even describe. And you know, like, when I'm free of this, man, that's when I'm really going to be living and free. And I'm telling you, that's what we're made for. That's where we're headed. And if you don't enjoy worship now, something's wrong. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Something's wrong. Um, we should love worshiping him. If we are in a relationship with him, we should love. Wor I love worshiping him. Amen. Even though my back hurts. <laughs> And everything in me wants to sit down. I love worshiping him. I can't stop. Because he's worthy of everything I have. And when I think about how good he's been to me and what I did not deserve, I just want to fall at his feet. And, and that's all, I, that is what I want to do for all of eternity. And uh, I'm torn. Well, Rose and I were talking about that. Sometimes you just want to be out of here. I don't know if that's selfish or what. I just want to be with him. But yet, if need be, okay, Lord, I'll stay here. But this is not our home, people. Don't, don't get comfortable here, please. This ain't it. This is not it. Trust me. Amen. That's not what I'm talking about today, but um, praise the Lord. Lord, you know what you want to do today and. uh I trust you, Lord, to lead and guide the rest of this service. You know what, uh, as the head of this body, how you want to speak to us, work through us, Lord. And uh, I surrender, Lord. I, I come with open hands this morning. I come with my life, Lord, before you. And I want to humble myself before you, before these precious people. And ask Holy Spirit uh, just to do what you want to do. So I surrender. As best as I know how, I surrender to you, Lord. And I ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what, what today is going to be a little bit just of a kind of a church talk, uh, recasting of the vision, but, but really just what God's been doing recently. So if you're, if you're visiting, uh, I'm believing God's going to speak to you somehow through what I have to share, but it really is addressing this body. Um, but maybe you're in a body somewhere else, and God wants to help you to understand what does that really mean to be part of a local body. What's that supposed to look like? What does it mean for my life? And so sometimes we need a reminder of that. And, you know, the Lord is so faithful. And we sometimes get stuck in a wheel or we get stuck or doing things to where we forget to include him. Or maybe we haven't prayed enough about things. And, and we find ourselves like that hamster on the wheel. 
and we don't know how to get off. So God has to bring things into our lives and say, hey, slow down, get off the wheel. <laughs> um, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you think you're moving along, but really you're in the same spot. And that's not necessarily true with us and what God's doing here. But could it be we're spinning our wheels a little too fast and, you know, not going as fast or slow as God wants us to be? So really this is about slowing down and, and getting our ear tuned to the Lord for ourselves individually, but also as, as being part of this body that he placed you in and that he has a purpose. So I was reminded uh, yesterday we had a, a wound up being a three-hour meeting um, where we prayed and talked about things, but something the Lord impressed upon me that you see in the book of Acts, which I think a lot of times we, we neglect, but what you see in the book of Acts is like, they didn't do anything. I mean, even menial tasks. They didn't do anything. You see, throughout the book of Acts, they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and he sent, he did this, he raised up people. You know, whatever was going on, they prayed. They didn't sit around and say, what do you think? I don't know, what do you think? Any ideas? No, it says they prayed and the Lord spoke to them. And it was clear. They knew exactly what they were supposed to do. They went exactly where God wanted to them to go, to the people he wanted them to go to, that he had prepared. And God did miraculous things. And the church grew and thrived, and many souls were coming into the kingdom. And it says great grace in Acts 4 was upon them all. Why is that? They were one. They were united under a head, which is who's Christ. And he was working his will through the body because they were looking to the head. They weren't necessarily looking to the apostles. They were, but the apostles were looking to the head. And as your pastor, my goal most of the time, although I'm not perfect at it, is to look to the head because I'm not the head. Jesus is. He's just given me a place in this body as pastor. It's, it's the grace he's given me. He's how, it's how he placed me in this body. But he's the head. And all of you are members. And he's placed you in this body. He's got a calling and a gift for your life. And he wants to use you in this body. However he wants to. It's not up to you. As we see in 1 Corinthians 12. He picks. He chooses. And you will know what he has chosen. And other people around you will know. It will be obvious to them what he has chose for you. So you need to be open. You need to be prayerful. You need to be seeking God. Lord, why did you put me in this body? What is my purpose? What is my gifting? What is my calling? How do you want me to serve you 
and other people while I'm here. That is why he places people in our body. Okay? So, I want to start by just sharing a little bit how this body started. And I've shared this before, but I'm just going to just give a brief uh, synopsis of that. And I'll just say right off the bat, I would not have chosen this. I'm just being honest. When I knew our time was up at Pure Life Ministries, I wanted, the last place I wanted to be was Kentucky. I wanted to be back in New York, somewhere on the streets, doing some kind of drug ministry or something on the streets in the hood. Because I thought, just because I have a burden, you know, part of me has a burden for drug addicts because I used to be a drug addict, that that's what I should be doing. But God said, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. I have something for you to do. And I get to include that a little bit. You know, and he does that. He really does. But he says, yeah, but that's not what I have for you. And I, I won't get into the details, but he made it very clear. Very clear in many different ways. And he's faithful and he'll do that. If you are truly seeking his will, he will confirm it a hundred ways. Because we're hard-headed. You know, he'll even do what really we shouldn't do. You know, like uh, what... Troy shared over a month ago now about Gideon, you know. Oh, sorry, Justin. You both talked about him. Yeah, okay, all right. I was losing my mind. <laughs> um, God wants to make sure you understand. And I remember what was told to us, make sure you get a clear word. And, and, and you know, I, I didn't want to do anything that God didn't want me to do. I was scared. To get out of it. We should be scared. You should be scared to get out of his will. It's not a good thing because he's not with you. He's not with you. He's not going to join you in what you want to do. You're going to join him in what he's doing. That's how it works. That's how a surrendered life works. So you have to get neutral. And so he has to do this with me all the time because I get it in my head you know, or I get ahead of him and I, and I misread things and, and I start doing things maybe not the way he wants me to. So that's what this is about for me personally, but also for us as a church. So when the Lord laid this on my heart, he gave me specific scriptures and I've shared them with you. He gave me Luke 4, 18, because I knew what happened to Rose and I, I knew what God had deposited deposited in us, but I also knew it wasn't just to keep in one place. He wanted us to bring it outside of where we were and out here where people aren't hearing or don't know what we found. And so you have to get out of your comfort zone and you have to go when he says go. And that's basically what he was doing. So these were the scriptures he laid on my heart. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, 
I don't even remember exactly how he gave me the whole lighthouse thing, but all I know is he gave it to me. because you got to understand, I'm not a, a visionary person. I'm not a graphic person. I'm not one to come up with phrases. But this stuff just, like, came to me. I was just writing stuff down as things were coming to me. And lighthouse came to me, and it was this scripture that God used, Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world, a city set on the hill that cannot be hidden. Nor, they don't light a lamp. They don't put it under a basket, or on a, but on a lancet, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And these scriptures are all on our websites. John 13, 35, because I, I knew what God had taught us as far as dwelling with other believers. And I knew the importance, I understood the importance of unity and love, because without that, there's no anointing, there's no blessing there. And so this is the scripture he gave me for that, John 13, 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That is probably the most challenging part of it all. You know why? Because <laughs> we're all sinners. We all got issues. And then God brings us all together and he says, now love one another. <laughs> Not just like love one another the way we would like. No, love one another the way I love you. That's where it gets, you know, hits the, the rubber hits the road, however you say that. Um, and, you know, I shared that, right, not too long ago. I went through the whole love, and that's just a part of it in 1 Corinthians 13. That's where the problems start because you can't do that unless you die to yourself. That's what the crucified life is. And that's, I'll just tell you, that's why there's so many problems in churches, flesh, pride. Pride divides. Pride is an open door for the enemy to come in and destroy what God wants to do in a work. And I've seen it over and over and over again. And unless people are willing to humble themselves and walk in humility and die to themselves and lay their life on the altar, take their hands off their life, what they think things should be, God will never be able to work the way he wants to work. And Psalm 133 speaks to that. It says, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron. And, and this is a picture of when Aaron was anointed for how he was to serve God, how God chose to have him serve as the priests, the high priests. And there was a whole ceremony. That anointing is a picture of the Holy Spirit, that oil that's going to empower him to do what God has called him to do. So that, that, and so unity really brings about a life that is surrendered, that is submitting to God. And God's able to anoint that life. And it's literally will pour over you. It's not a little bit. It's not a little drop. It, the picture is it's poured over your life. Everyone else around you gets the fragrance of that. And 
the benefit of that anointing. Running down the edge of his garments like the dew of Hermon. Descending upon the mountains of Zion. And the picture there is life. It gives life. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. Why are the worship times here so good? It's because we got talented musicians. Is it? I've been in some churches. They got some really good bands. Gifted musicians. But sometimes you don't sense any presence of the Lord. It's more like a show. It's, they're kind of entertaining you. And, you know, I used to go to concerts. It's good. But there's nothing like the presence of God. And that's what I savor. And you know why he's here? Because of you. Because of you guys. Because there's a group of people that have said, you know what? It's not about us. We're just here to worship him. We're here to exalt him. And as best as we can, we, we all got our issues. We try to just get right and get our minds on him. And because we're looking to him and we're unified under him, he comes. And he's here and he's able to move. And I watched him today in service speak and do things. It's awesome. I really would encourage you to really pay attention to what goes on in these meetings. Holy Spirit is like doing things. We need to learn to see God's activity in the church. Very, very important. So, you know, when that unity is there, look at Acts 4.33. I, I said this earlier. It says, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them all. And that's really what we need, people. We need God's grace upon us all. And I, I do want to encourage you guys to be aware of what God is doing in our midst. There's a, a book we went through when we first started the church called Experiencing God. And the Lord led me to that as I was praying about today. And there's a chapter in there where it's called Experiencing God in the Church. And it uses Acts 2.42 where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Again, another picture of that unity and that working together and praying together. But, but the, the chapter really focuses around, again, kind of what I'm saying. Like, why am I here? Like, when I come in these doors, what expectations am I coming in here with? And so I love it because he uses the example of, a, a, I think she was 12 years old. And I really, really want to speak to the young people. God's been working in the young people in this church. It's been awesome to see what God's been doing for the young people, and I've said this to you before, but you are not too young for God to use you. If anything, I believe God could use kids more powerfully because they don't have all the baggage we do, that they're still a little more innocent. Not very, but <laughs> there is something about a childlike faith. If, if you kids will, like, just lay hold and really believe God, not doubt him, and step out in faith, like this little girl did, there's nothing he can't do. If he lays something on your heart, maybe a kid from Meadowview, that you're going to pray for that kid until they come for the Lord, just watch and see what God does. 
this girl, this little girl, um, had walked to the front of this imposing church auditorium. And, um, you know, they were wondering why she was up there at the altar. And it says she had walked to the front uh, to pray for a friend. And then she went home and she invited her friend to come back to the evening service. So now, just a few hours later, the whole church is witnessing the miracle of this other little girl coming to salvation. But no one knows how this all happened. They're not aware of God's activity going on in the church through this other little girl that was open and led by the Holy Spirit to go up to an altar and pray for another girl. So the pastor began to weep um, because they just kind of went through the motions of, you know, oh, praise God. And, and someone's like, yeah, but how did this happen? And the pastor realized, I'm not letting the people in on what God really did. And he began to weep for hiding that, the inner workings of how God was working in that little girl. And he realized he wasn't helping his people recognize God's activity in their midst. God was powerfully working in the lives of some of that church's youngest members, and no one was noticing it. I'm noticing it, kids. I am noticing it. I am noticing it. I'm so blessed, and, and it's just answer to prayer, and it's God. You know, it happened on Sundays, and, you know, I'll be preaching, and I'm like, oh, man, they're not even listening. And then they come up weeping to the altar. And it's like the Lord saying, I got this. I got this. It's the Lord. So I want to encourage you guys. God is working in our midst. Learn to be sensitive and be open however he wants to use you. Don't come to church unprepared. Don't come through those doors like, oh, I just need whatever. Listen, we're here to minister to you. We're here to pray with you. Um, but God also brought you here and made you a part of this body because he wants to use you. Okay? God created the church to be unlike any other human organization. It's a living body. It's created by Christ. And he's the head. And God extends his kingdom throughout the earth through his church. That's how he does it. Through people. People like us. You think they were perfect in the book of Acts? You think they had it all? They, they never blew it, never did anything wrong? I don't think so. He uses people just like us that just are willing, that just say yes to him and choose to believe him. So I, I just want to encourage you, you know, prepare yourself before you come here. Be ready to join God in whatever work he wants to do here. Too many times we come to church maybe to just seek out friends or to talk to someone that we see all week. Be sensitive who's coming through that door, you know, who's sitting off by themselves that maybe came in as a visitor and is obviously feeling awkward, which I'm like that. I'm, I'm not a social person, you know. I probably wouldn't even go by myself. I always, Rose will tell you, I'm like, you're coming with me, right? 
um, I'm just that way, you know. And so we need to be those hands and feet and, and love on people and be sensitive that they're hurting. You know, they came in here for some reason. God brought them in here for some reason, and you're all in here for some reason. And, and I want to say, you know, when Brian was, I was praying, I'm like always thinking about souls, even though I'm your pastor, and obviously I'm here mainly for this body, but we're about souls. So I'm like, Lord, how am I going to get in this, what I got to share, an invitation, where the gospel's got to go forth. And I'm listening to Brian, I'm going, you don't need me for that. And Brian, I asked him right before. I'm like, hey, Brian, I forget, can you do the communion? And, and he starts, and I'm like, wow, look at that. The Lord just led him to do what I was worried about. And I sat, see what I'm saying? I'm seeing God's activity. The Lord's like, Jeff, don't worry. I got it. I know there's people here. I can use Brian. To sh- and he's actually doing a better job than you would. <laughs> you did. You know, and I told him, give, if you feel led, give an altar call. Because we're not about, you know, everything's got to be. So if anyone here, God spoke to you, we're still here for you. God's still here for you. Amen. You know, you heard the gospel today in, in the Lord's Supper. It was excellent. So don't, don't wait to surrender your life to him. He's here. He led you here. You're not here by accident. On any given Sunday, there are numerous people who are hurting, who maybe need assurance that God knows them, he cares about them, he knows what they're going through. And and this is someone talking. It's been my joy to enter church on a Sunday with a prayer to God that I am available for the Spirit to lead me in however he wants to lead me. So that's why you're here. That's why we're here. That's why God laid it on my heart to start this work. But I'm not the head. I'm not. We had a meeting yesterday because I don't trust myself to just make decisions just because I sense or I feel or even God spoke to me. I want prayer. (laughs) I want wisdom from other people. I want to hear what they got to say, although someone's got to make the decision, so I have to do that, but I, 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 I understand I need accountability. I need to know I'm hearing from God, so that's really what I want to talk to you about now, okay? And we're going to be praying in a minute. There's a lot of things going on, and we've been doing the church now for eight years, and I've made a lot of mistakes, And I keep repeating some of them. And that's kind of what the Lord kind of dealt with me about these last few days or week, whatever. Um, And he's revealing some things in my heart. You know know what it is? I want things to go my way. (laughs) He used what we're going through a little bit. You know, I believe in healing. And Rose has a spot on her breast they're looking at. Um, and I'm like, when we go, they're just going to say, you know, it, there's nothing there. You know, you're done. And so I'm holding faith for that. And we get there, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and all these other people that went in before are out and gone, and now I'm starting to go, what, what's going, why is she in there so long? 
And then she texts me, I got to come back for a biopsy. They don't like what they see. And I threw a fit with God. I'm like, what's up, God? Come on. I actually said, come on. I thought this would be it. <laughs> and then he reminded me, remember what Rose said? This isn't about her. This is for somebody else. And when she, when she got out, she told me, um, the Lord, at the end of the thing, the nurse said to her, who had been through breast cancer, oh, you have such a good attitude, and you know, uh, sometimes this is used for something else, for someone else. And Rose said, she's the one, and Rose was able to, able to share her testimony. She gave her brochures, and because Rose has to go back, she's going to see her again. So we're believing we got to go through this for this lady. So you understand? So I'm okay with it, and I still trust God to heal her and all that, but he does let us go through things. You know, and I got to trust him that this is part of what we got to go through and be okay with it. And then I started looking at everything. And he's like, you know, Jeff, you do that with a lot of things. <laughs> I was like, you're right. <laughs> and then I said, Lord, help me. I don't want to waste any more time. Because reality is this, people. I don't know how much time we have. And we don't understand. We make so many decisions. We do things sometimes quickly or, oh, yeah, this sounds good. And, and are we sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing? So there's been a lot of decisions made over the years. We've renovated rooms. We've started ministries. I went on our website because we're redoing our website. And I don't know if Josh noticed it. Where is Josh? Like the, the children's ministry is still on there. The nursing home ministry is still on there. The prayer at 930 for church. We're not doing any of that stuff. Why? Someone wanted to do that. That's why we started it. Why is it not still happening? I'm going to tell you why. God didn't call them to do it. God didn't burden them to do it. Because if they did, they'd still be doing it. That's why things start and they stop. They start and they stop. Because maybe we're not hearing from God. Then I thought about Meadowview. It's still going. Why? Because God gave a man a vision and laid a burden on his heart. So even though it's hard at times, right, Patrick and Teresa, because you're in it together, and you struggle, especially maybe in the beginning, and five kids show up, did I hear from God? You have to remind yourself, right? Yeah, Lord, you spoke to me, and you keep going. That's why I'm still here. I'll just be honest with you. I have to go back sometimes, look at my original vision and say, no, Lord, you spoke to me, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So with that, there's some things I want us to be praying about as a body that we started, and I'm kind of backing up. Because I don't want to waste the money you tithe here and, and spend a whole lot of money on rooms we're not going to use. We've already started, so we're going to finish. But, you know, I'm looking at AC units, heating, and all that. I'm not going to do it if I don't feel like we're going to use the rooms downstairs. I mean, they're coming out great. Um, God bless these guys that, that do the work for us and save us so much money. But there's some things you just got to spend the money 
Um, and God's given us these buildings, but he knows how we're to use them. And so we just need wisdom. So I'm asking you to be praying for us. Lord, how do you want to use these rooms? Or if anything, are we even supposed to use them now? Are they for later? I don't know. But all I know is we're going to finish the little we started, but I'm not going any further till we know what we're doing. We started upstairs here, a prayer room, because we thought, you know, when it was brought to me, yeah, that's a great idea. People can pray up there during the service. And then I thought about it this morning when I saw on the website 930 prayer. I'm like, no one's coming for the 930 prayer. Who's going to go up in a room and pray for the whole service unless God's called them to do it? and their burden to do it, they'll do it. So if anyone in here is sensing a calling for a ministry to pray for these services while they're happening or during the altar time and, and want a room to do that, we will provide that for you. But until I hear that someone's going to head that up and that they know they've heard from God that that's what they are supposed to do here, I'm not doing nothing up there. So you kind of get where I'm getting at? Because we don't want to spin our wheels. There are specific things God has for all of you to do in this body. And we need to be praying more about what that is. The nursing home is still on the website. Um, I've had a burden. You know, I have a burden for everything. It's a good thing I, I've learned I can't do it. He hasn't called me to do everything. But uh, maybe there's someone that has a burden for that. Now, COVID messed that up a little bit. But if someone has a burden for that, we'll be back in there. Okay? So maybe someone should be praying about that. There's a prison in town. I've had a burden for that. I can't do that. I don't know if God's called this church to do that. But we have to be aware of the need and then be praying about it and saying, God, how do you want to use me? Okay? And then the church as a whole, we can pray together. We can seek God about it. Locust Ridge. You know, I know Brian is helping out, but is that your calling? Is that what's God's call? We need to pray for our brother. Because if it is... Locust Ridge will last. I don't know, maybe, Steve, you're supposed to. I don't know. We need to be praying for that. There's great need in there. But someone has to be committed and called there. Otherwise, it won't work. And you might be missing something that you're supposed to be doing, where there'll be more fruit because that's what God has for you to do. That's how it works. It's not just, oh, yeah, this seems like a good idea. So I want to be intentional as a body. I want us to pray about these things. And so uh, what we're going to do really is I'm going to have different ones come up, and we're going to pray. But I'm just going to, before we do that, just share a couple of scriptures that I've shared with you before. Uh, really, that just describes the body and how God works through the body. Ephesians 
gives us a picture of it. And it says this, and it starts in Ephesians 4, verse 1, where Paul says, I, I therefore, uh, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So he starts with that, and it really is the most important thing because I think God knows, like I said earlier, that's probably one of the hardest things for a church to endeavor to do is to keep the unity and to really love one another. So that, that needs to be what we major on, okay? If we do that, everything else will come out of that. So if you have issues, if you have things going on, you, you cannot allow anything to hinder the relationships God wants to establish with everyone. There can't be that one person that you're like, nah, Jesus doesn't do that. You have to, as best as you can, reach out and, and try to heal relationships, make relationships, especially with someone you're not in the natural gravitated towards. That's probably the one you should try to make a relationship with. That's why I love the body of Christ because I don't say this in any way, but in my day in the natural, I wouldn't have hung around with a lot of you. I just wouldn't have. You're not cool enough. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a joke. But you understand? But I love you guys more than even my, my family because there's something deeper when you're in Christ. It just is. And so when I think of you guys, like, I love you. And, and I, I would lay my life down. That's, God calls me to do that. But that's not me. That's what God does. If you will yield yourself to him, that love will be here like that. But it takes humbling ourselves. It takes dying to our likes, dislikes, and, and, and knowing we need the Holy Spirit. We need God to produce that in us and trusting him to give it to us. Like Paul says, endeavoring. That means there's effort involved. Trust me, there's effort endeavoring to keep the unity and the bond of peace. So um, of the spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, who is through all, and is in you all. So you understand that's what makes us one. And I shared this, I think, a while back. This is not an organization. This is the body of Christ. And it's living. It's just like a natural body, an organ, a, a living organism. And, and the Word of God uses that illustration for a reason. And we have some medical people in here that understand that life, your whole body came from one cell that split. And multiplied and multiplied and multiplied, but it originated in that one cell. Our life derives its life from one person, Jesus Christ. And, and the body of Christ multiplies and multiplies from that one life. And it's that life that gives us life. And that's what makes us a body. It's not, we're not like a Frankenstein that, 
you know, we knit together all these different parts and then shock it with, you know, electricity to make it come alive. No, it grows. It grows out of that one life. And God knits together, just like your body in the womb, all the different parts. But they're all the same. They're not different parts from different people, you know, make a monster. And that's what happens. The church becomes, looks like a monster. <laughs> because man tried to put it together and it's just an organization. But when the life of Christ is working and has brought those individuals together, there's love, there's unity, there's blessing. His presence is there. There's fruit. And that's what we are. And God uses his body for a purpose. And I'll finish with this and we'll, we'll pray. And it says in verse 7, and each one of us has grace giving according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, when he ascended it on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And I taught on this not too long ago. God has a gift for every one of you, and he wants you to use it. Even you young ones, he wants you to use it.